This program is brought to you by P1 Australia Racing Components, the designer of the oil heat mats for dry sump tank applications. Find out more about the truths on engine oil heating at p1australia.com. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. We've paused a fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending megabucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them. Thunder Media. Hi, I'm Chas Mostert. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. On this episode of Inside Supercars, Brad Jones gives his lay of the land. You know, I think if, if we got the opportunity to go up there and race, but if it's not there and we happen to go somewhere else, I think... If, you know, we need to look at New Zealand, it's an obvious one for us to go back to, and I know they're looking at it really hard. So, um, you know, I think the sport is is in, in a really good spot at the moment. We're getting good crowds, we're getting good uptake. You turn up here, you don't know who the winner is. There's lots of great things going on at the moment. Brad Jones talks YouTube, new cars, and the strength of supercars in 2023. And it starts now. Welcome to Inside Supercars, Tony Whitlock and Craig Gravel. We're talking with Brad Jones and the subject of running costs came up. Now, obviously, you know, these new cars did not cost as much as originally hoped, planned and those sort of things. But tell us about something of what it is costing to run these Gen 3 cars. Well, I think the price varies for every team, to be honest, and depends on your uh, how often you rebuild things like transaxles, uprights. So the bottom line is the most amount of money we're going to save with these cars is the engines. So I think the engines will be a significant cost saving. As for the rest, um, it's it's really hard to know. You've got to remember everything was brand new on these cars and some things um, are, are not working out quite as we expected. The steering rack is an example. So they're more expensive. A lot of the parts in this car are more expensive than what we have with the last car. But we've knocked it towards the end of their life. So I, I can't actually sit here and give you an accurate comparison from, a, say, a ZB Commodore to a Camaro. But um, I don't think it's a lot worse. Um, I mean, obviously, the engine program is totally different. You no longer had any... You know, you were getting Kenny McNamara in the last few few years. You'd had a time when you actually built your own engines. Um, that's that whole is not just a cost saving in terms of the way in which it's run, in that you don't have to even think about it. You just send the engine off and get another one back. That sort of works extremely well for you. Well, that doesn't save me a cent, actually. Um, it doesn't matter who does it. So, so what saves money is if you look at a cylinder head. And on the, on the ZB, you buy blocks that have got no machining on them, no ports or valves, like nothing's machined. And then you buy them for 5000 a set, and then you machine them for 13000 a set, 
and they last about 15,000 k's. Now with this engine, I believe a heads, set of heads is about two and a half grand and you don't port them. You know, they come CNC ported from GM. So, and there's a number of things, you know, I think a sump is probably about seven and a half grand cheaper. So in total, the parts for the old car would be close to 120, 130,000 and then you had to assemble it. This thing is about 75 grand assembled and we've had to pay a fee for development but it only on the first two engines that we get so um, I, I think I definitely think the engines are, are saving the other stuff it's always hard to know the front splitters are more expensive you know the panels are quite expensive but we don't seem to be damaging as much you know the real increasing costs is travel accommodation you know it's that stuff that's that's gone up significantly and and um, is knocking us around the running costs of the car you know, they're, they're not too bad. Everything's more expensive, but so is the cost of living. Cost of living aside, one of the things I think everyone was hoping for was longer durations between having to pull things apart and work on them, which would allow you to either have less staff or have um, less cost in ongoing replacement. Has that been seen yet with wear and tear items and, and that sort of thing? Well, if you wanted that, you would have put bigger rose joints in the car and you would have put components that are significantly different to what we used to run in the car so they had a longer life. You wouldn't have put the same size stuff in because common sense would tell you if you use the same size rose joint, it would wear out. It doesn't know whether it's on a Camaro Gen 3 car or a ZB Commodore. So a lot of the things have got about the same life. I don't think we're going to have less personnel. You know, As I said, the only real saving is is uh is what i see with the engines that said where we've really hit the mark is these cars look fantastic and uh uh and if if it's only that and the engine then then that's a good start right I mean, certainly from my perspective then you put on top of that then you turn up at the races and you're not sure who's going to win so lots of things about this category are going really well cost of living has skyrocketed so you can't really discount that when you're talking about some of these things everything's more expensive you know um, I think they missed the mark on a, a number of things but we have hit the mark on a couple of key key items and um, and it's good for the sport when you're looking at the the balance sheet the incomings and outgoings do you feel like maybe not this year because as you said you started with the brand new car there was a, a big upfront cost do you think these cars will, crash damage aside, be a longer lasting car, even though they're a, a weaker car, if you like? Well, I don't know where you'd say it's a weaker car. I mean, if you're talking about accident damage, then just remember that the FIA had to homologate the chassis, and if it's a bit more accident absorbent and damages the chassis a bit more, then that's probably a little safer for the driver. Uh, it's a team problem. Um, it's like I said a lot of the components are the same size as they were on the old car so it doesn't make any sense to think that they're going to run any longer now you being a devotee of the uh, NASCAR Roscar world what have your thoughts on what we've seen with Shane Dew in Chicago and then uh, what we could see coming up when uh, Brody and Shane go to Indy um, look I think it's fantastic I, I 
tuned in and watched the race and thought, thought he did an amazing job. I mean, that shunt where he skipped down the inside and there was 10 of them in the wall probably held him a little bit, but you can't take away from the fact that he's turned up and won that race and, and not many people have ever done that. And, uh, you know, I was like the rest of Australia and New Zealand cheering really hard for him you know I was watching in the background when they were focusing on the cars at the front and you could see him passing people I knew he's going to get to the front so you know it's very exciting stuff and and uh, remember when Jim Richards went and raced against Rusty Wallace and a heap of in Japan they didn't know his name either and he dusted them off so um, it'll be really interesting to see what happens at Indianapolis they've all been there before the corners are a little bit different but um, you know, Shane's such a special operator that, that um, you know, he'll take some stopping. Is this the first time in your life you've ever cheered for Shane Van Gisbergen? Um, I don't know that I'm, yeah, probably. <laughs> now, can we ask you, because everyone that uh, has gone online has been wondering about who's this YouTube sensation Brad Jones? What prompted... <laughs> What prompted the uh, amazing YouTube series that BJR's been putting out throughout uh, this year? Well, I think anyone. Yeah, it was Macaulay. Um, uh, look, I, you know, we, we talked about the start of the year and, and thought it was a good idea and it's been something, yeah, for three years. And sorry, he, he's in the background. But, but yeah, we just discussed it and, and away we went. And that's, you know, certainly surprised me, but um, it's worked out really well. How have you enjoyed the feedback? Yeah, the feedback's amazing. You know, it's you usually get a pile of criticism and and some complimentary um, remarks as well. But it's all it's all been really complimentary. It surprises me. I mean, so far this year we've had 3.7 million views on our social media platform. So it's staggering. You like that one when you're talking to the sponsors? Yeah, yeah. No, it's a good stat. That's why I know it off by heart. <laughs> um, one thing that just made me talk about is that. Shane's one race in America, in Chicago, is the first time for NASCAR on the streets. That single event has created an enormous amount. Tomorrow, um, supercars are going to be announcing uh, something to do with the, the figures of their viewing, the, the viewing platform, the fact that supercars was watched more in America than probably it ever hadn't before. That in itself is rather sad that it takes one driver to go and do something in America that create such a hubbub about is extraordinary yeah but well maybe i mean you know it does that mean that the viewing platform's gone from 100 to 200 people like i, I, I mean it. yeah I well who knows but but are, uh, are you saying that brethren racing youtube channels outstripping uh, superview is this is this what we're getting at this is good for the marketing yeah well if that's the numbers <laughs> but no no my point is there's nothing new with that. You know, a swimming sensation jumps in the pool and wins five Olympic gold medals, then, then you know, the pe people have an interest in it, right? So, so he's gone over there. It wouldn't be any different if an AFL footballer went over there and started kicking goals in their football. You know, they'd want to see what the racing here, what the football here was like. And that's exactly the same. You know, this bloke's turned up. America is very insular. They don't, you know, I can remember being in Charlotte and they go, world news in LA today, this is what happened. So they don't look outside the square that much. So this, this bloke's come along, they've got no idea who he is and he's won a race. So they're like, wow, those guys must be good. And uh, anyone that tunes into our racing will see really good racing. And so, um, you know, I think it's exciting. Well, I don't know what the numbers are, but, you know, I don't think it's sad. I think it's great. So how does Brad Jones make a quit out of Maura Yanks watching his car go around the track? Oh, he doesn't.
Well, he wants to, though. Yeah, well, you, you want to make a buck out of everything, but it's, it's not like that. Will having your cars at the Singapore Grand Prix help you make a buck? Uh, possibly, yeah. You know, if we get the opportunity to go up there, I think it's good that we do an international race, and that would be a really good one to do. All right, well, I'm sure there'll be a lot more play out on that particular subject. We've spoken to Bill Gibson and got some ideas on the freighting of the cars there and the way in which it could be done. So uh, we'll look forward to hearing news in that particular area because we know that there are people within the confines of the supercar enterprise that say that's what we should be doing, but we'll wait and see. Well, I think, you know, I wouldn't like to see, uh, you know, we, we had used to have a lot of races overseas, but, but going overseas under the right circumstances, I think is really good for the sport. For the sponsors, it gives them opportunity to plan promotions around that event. Singapore Grand Prix goes off. So, you know, I think if, if we got the opportunity to go up there and race, but if it's not there and we happen to go somewhere else, I think if, you know, we need to look at New Zealand, that's an obvious one for us to go back to. And I know they're looking at it really hard. So... Um, you know, I think the sport is is in, in a really good spot at the moment. We're getting good crowds. We're getting good uptake. You turn up here, you don't know who the winner is. There's lots of great things going on at the moment. Indeed. I was there in um, China, and, and I remember distinctly probably sitting at the same table as you did. One of the lovely things about that particular moment was when the teams were all eating, travelling. It was a great feeling of camaraderie amongst the, the paddock, wasn't it? It was, you know, and, and the most popular person there was Miss um, Supercar <laughs> because uh, I don't think the Asians had seen such a tall woman before in their life. And so, what was it, Renee? Was that her? Anyway, uh, she was certainly, I was at an autograph signing and, and uh, they were all getting autographs from her. There wasn't too many seeing the drivers. But Singapore or Winton? Which one's more important for Brad Jones racing? Um, if, if we do our 12 races here in Australia and we cater to our fans at that level and then we do one international event, well, I don't see a problem with that. So it's not so much whether I'd like to go back to Winton or whether we should go to Singapore. It's more about if we do enough events here to cater for our fans and we put on really good events, um, can we afford to go and do something offshore? And look, if Winton could come up with the money for us to go there and us to all get paid to turn up, yeah, why wouldn't we go to Winton as well? But, you know, it's a lot of money and to generate that sort of money you need a lot of people. And that's what they get at the Singapore Grand Prix. I could have said Queensland Raceway, but I know it's closer to your head. Okay, well, thanks very much, Brad Jones, and have a great weekend, and uh, we look forward to catching up with you in the near future. Oh, that's exciting news. It's been an absolute pleasure. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more, or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. 
Join Andrew Clark. Paused the fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending mega bucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them.